Lord, I thank you for your people gathered here this morning. And I pray that you'd use your word. Bring faith, saving faith, in Jesus' name, amen. So I have a question for you this morning. The question is this, what do you think is the biggest stumbling block for people to find saving faith? There's probably lots of reasons. And yet I was thinking about this. About two-thirds of the three-fourths of the United States claims to be Christian. And yet out of that percentage, I wonder how many of them we'll spend eternity with. And the scriptures share that there's a stumbling block out there. It's going to keep people who claim to be Christian from entering the gates of heaven. It's a stumbling block. It was there for Israel. It was there during Jesus' day. It was there during the early church. And I believe it's here in our country as well. My heart aches for that. Even to think about this room this morning, that there could be folks They're going to enter the gates of heaven saying, Lord, Lord, and for them to hear, I never knew you. That breaks my heart. And so, we're going to go and look into scriptures here. Before we get to Matthew 19, before we get to Romans 3, we're going to look at two verses before we get there. But we're looking at this theme of what does it take to get to home plate? You think of a baseball diamond. There's first base, second base, third, and there's home plate. And unless you get to home plate, the run doesn't count, right? If you get three outs in the inning and you got bases loaded, how many runs does that count for? Nothing. At the end of the day, nothing. I've done two funerals here this last month, one this last Friday, and it's really got me thinking, at the end of the day, what counts, right? People that go to funerals, they're asking that question. They're thinking about that. It's actually, I've heard a lot lot of pastors actually say they like the opportunity to do funerals rather than weddings, because weddings, they're not thinking about that. They're thinking about a party. Yet at a funeral, people's hearts are soft. Because they're thinking about home plate. I think that's a good thing to think about, don't you? So, we're going to run the bases today. We're going to think about what does it take to get to home plate. And where do people usually stop running? And so we're going to look at our first scripture here today. It's out of Romans 9, verses 31 through 32, and it says this. It says, The people of Israel who tried so hard to get right with God, in other words, so hard to get to home plate, they tried to do it by keeping the law, and they never succeeded. Why not? Because they were trying to get right with God by keeping the law instead of by trusting in Him. 
they stumbled over the great rock in their path. Back to this baseball analogy. So many people are thinking they got to do it on their own. They get to first base and they think they got to steal second. They got to steal third and they got to steal home. That's pretty tough to do. Sometimes the young men, the, the ones with their youth, they think they can make it. And yet as time goes on, as we looked at last week, right, the older first drop their stones, realizing, yes, they've sinned. They've fallen short. They can't do it. They realize they need to be a run batted in to get to home plate. Our next scripture is out of Galatians. So not only was Israel struggling over this in this last scripture, but we look at this scripture, the early church struggled over this. Most of the book of Galatians was written about this. And Paul writes to this church that's stumbling. They're no longer running to home plate. And Paul's concerned, and he writes this letter to the church. And he says in Galatians 5, 6 through 7, for when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is now no benefit in being circumcised or uncircumcised. In other words, there's parts of the law that aren't applying anymore of them as a nation, things that made them a nation. He says, what is important is faith expressing itself in love. So we've been looking at the Ten Commandments and the law the moral intention underneath it, we're seeing, we've been seeing that it's faith expressing itself in love. Love towards God, love towards neighbor. And it finishes by saying, you were running the race so well. You were running so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? So the early church, they stumbled over this. And in Jesus' day, we'll look at a story out of Matthew 19 where someone stumbled over this. So we'll advance the slides here. Here's the baseball diamond. We're going to get you to home plate at the end of this, all right? So we're going to cruise through Matthew 19 and Romans 3. You can think to yourself, are you stumbling? Because a lot of Christians are. Matthew 19, 16, it says this. It says that someone came to Jesus with this question. Teacher, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? That's quite a question. That's kind of a loaded question. What good deed must I do to have eternal life? It's like asking, going to your baseball coach, saying, Coach, what bases do I need to touch to score a run? Well, first, second, third, and home plate. And then your player just runs off. He never even swung the bat. He's just running around. He's going to get called out, right? Did the coach give him the wrong answer? No. But the player didn't stop to think or listen about what way it was going to be provided to do that. 
And so Jesus has asked this question. I think about my little girl, Hosanna. She's talking more and more. Soon she'll get there. And if she were to say, Dad, how much do I need to pay in order to live here in this house? It's kind of a loaded question, right? But if I were to answer a question, I'd say, well, all right, that's, I guess here's what a third of the mortgage would be, <laughs> right? Here's what diapers are and food, you know? And if she's like, well, I, I can pay for that. Okay, well, there's health insurance. You know, I can keep going until finally she gets to the point that the reason she's in the house, the reason she's at home base, is because she's my child. She doesn't have to pay for that on her own. And yet, Jesus goes along with this question. He says in verse 17, He says, even he kind of questions the question. He says, why ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, there is only one who is good, but, but, to answer your question, if you want to receive eternal life, keep the commandments. It's even funny in that he says, what one good thing? As if it's just one. Jesus says, well, to answer your question, you have to cover all the bases to score a run. I think that this person would kind of figure out where this is headed, and yet he wants to clarify. Well, I really want to know which ones. And Jesus just said all of them. He says, which ones, the man asked. Something's bothering this guy, right? These are kind of interesting questions, if you think about it. Jesus replied, he lists off six of the Ten Commandments. Well, five of them. He says, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery. We just looked at those these last two sermons, last two weekends, and how they go even further than that. To be angry with the brother. To look in lust commit adultery. It goes on to say you must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. And he gives the golden rule of, that's listed in the law of Moses of love your neighbor as yourself. So he gives six bases around the baseball diamond. Well, alright. Answer your question. How you doing here? And the man surprisingly says in verse 20, he goes, oh, I've, I've obeyed all these commandments. Yet something's still bothering him. The young man replied again. Now we see, this is the first we see that it's a young man asking this question. He says, what else must I do? The Greek has a word here is, what am I lacking? What am I lacking? See, deep down in his heart, he knows he needs help. He's a conscience that's troubled. The law of the Lord is written on our hearts to show us and to point us that we must run in faith if we're to run at all. That we need a Savior. That we need help. 
I'm not going to put the verses of the rest of the story, but I'll explain it to you in a quick paraphrase. So what else must I do? Well, Jesus gives him another base. He says, he perceives what would hold this guy back. He says, all right, go sell everything you have and give it to the poor. Puts another base out there. And now the young man finally understands. I can't do that. And he walks away sad. And Jesus says, as he leaves, he says, how hard it is for the rich to enter eternal life. It'd be easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. He's making the point, this is impossible. The disciples say in verse 25, they're astonished and they say, well then who can be saved? Right? It's like the game's rigged. How's anybody gonna score a run? Jesus says in verse 26, with man it is impossible. He says, that's my point, guys. <laughs> with man, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. See, his point is he's sharing, with man, you can't make it. You st- he can't steal home plate. If anyone's out here coach baseball, you're going to probably tell your kids, you can't steal home plate. You've got to wait for someone to get, a, get up to bat, to get a base hit, then you run, right? There's an order to this. <laughs> so the point is you can't do it. And Romans picks up on this theme really well. And so we're going to head there now to Romans chapter 3. In verse 19, it says, it's talking about the law, the commandments given to God's people the way you should live. And it says, its purpose is to keep people from having excuses and to show the entire world is guilty before God. For no one can ever be made right with God by doing what the law commands. The law simply shows us how sinful we are. Its intention was never to teach us how to steal home plate. It's not going to happen. Verse 21 says, But God has shown us a way to be made right with him without keeping the requirements of the law as was promised in the writings of Moses and the prophets long ago. You see, even when Moses wrote the law, it was never the intention, do this and you will be saved from Egypt. Do this and the Red Sea will be parted for you. That already happened. The people of God had been chosen on no merit of their own to be saved and to be God's people. And by faith, they walked right out of Egypt. By faith, they walked right through the Red Sea. And on the other side of the sea, towards the promised land, towards the way of shalom that God wants people to live together in harmony with Him and with one another, He teaches them graciously. On Mount Sinai, He gives them the law. He gives them, hey, if you want a way to overflow your thanksgiving for being redeemed, here's how you show love. Here's how you show love. The intention of that was good. 
and yet it became a stumbling block as the years rolled by. Israel, the early church, and even many Christians in America today and around the world, it is a stumbling block. It's actually cutting in and cutting them off from faith. Cutting them off from salvation. Cutting them off from home plate. They're no longer looking for a Messiah. They no longer wonder, why was it that Jesus came and died and rose again? Like any other religion out there, they're making it about them and what they need to do religiously to earn their way to God and to earn their way to peace. The scripture continues, verse 22. We are made right with God. If you could back up one more, please. Sorry, I threw you for a loop there. I got carried away. It's in the yellow there. It says, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes. I love this last line. No matter who we are. Isn't that great? You don't have to be the fastest to get to home plate. My grandfather, through faith in Jesus Christ, is going to get to home plate. Even if he needs a scooter to do it. But no one's going to tag him out. He's going to touch all the bases because he's placing his faith in Jesus Christ. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, That's the starting point. That faith is what starts you as a Christian. Say, God, I need you to go to bat for me. And that starts the journey then of obedience. And you start taking steps. You say, all right, Lord, I'll take a first step of obedience. I'll place my faith in you. I'll take a second step of obedience. I'll get baptized. I'll take a third step of obedience. And on and on it goes. You start running the bases, but not after you've realized, not after you've placed your hope and faith in the home run that Jesus Christ hit for you. Go to verse 23. This contains a word that we saw earlier from the young man when he said, what am I lacking? It says, for everyone has sinned. And then it uses this, this word for lacking. We all lack. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. Yet God, in his grace, freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty for our sins. 
So this verse and the next three in a row, four verses in a row I've put in gold, you can see the same theme. Faith in Christ Jesus gets you home. It's just amazing how clear these scriptures are, and yet it's such a stumbling block. It's such a stumbling block. Verse 25. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for our sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. There's a reason Jesus had to die. And it was for your sin. Past, present, and future. We start off believing that, and yet, for some reason, we think we don't need him anymore. We think maybe God's shaped us up to the point that we're good. We can get there on our own. And yet a lot of people are going to be stuck on second or third base when the inning closes and breaks God's heart because he paid it all. He sacrificed himself. The analogy breaks down here, but it's a combination of the sacrifice pop fly to get us home. <laughs> and yet he wasn't able to be counted out. He got to go up to bat again and hit the home run. Bring everybody home that's on base. Verse 26 says, He makes sinners right in his sight when they believe in Jesus. Can we boast then that we've done anything to be accepted by God? No. Because our acquittal is not based on obeying the law. It's based on faith. So we are made right with God through faith and not by obeying the law. This reminds me of Ephesians 2, 8 through 10. It's one of my favorite passages. It explains that relationship. And it says, For it is by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not from works so no one can boast. And yet verse 10 goes on to say, but, see, after faith in Christ, but, in verse 10 it says, you're created to do good works. This passage here in Romans, it ends in verse 31. It says, well then, if we emphasize faith, does this mean that we can forget about the law? This is a really important question. What happens is a lot of people look at Christians and they see people that are not living lives that are any different than before. And rightly so, they say that can't be. I remember talking to a Muslim friend once. And he couldn't understand how a Christian like America could produce entertainment that was so sickening. And he goes, well, I guess you just believe you're forgiven, so you just go live however you want, right? That's a pretty good objection, right? 
It doesn't make sense. I think it's Gandhi who said, I like your Jesus, but I, I, don't, I can't make sense to your Christians. And I think that's what leads a lot of people into the stumbling block. Because they say, look, if we just say we have faith, but we don't have a changed life at all, that's cheap. That's just license. That's license to hurt others. There's no shalom in that. There's no peace in that. And I think that fair objection leads people down this road of earning it themselves. It's like one or the other, right? They don't see this relationship between you want to use some of the bigger words, justification and then sanctification. They don't see the relationship between getting saved, beginning that relationship with God, and then growing in his ways of love. And I think as a church, we owe it to the world to show in our lives that this works. That when we begin a relationship with God, He begins to soften our hearts, begins to change us day in and day out to live out more and more like Him. And the watching world needs to see Christians living that out. Who say, I'm not earning this. This is a free gift from God and He has been changing me. They need to hear that gospel, but they also need to see that gospel. It's too cheap to just say it's by faith and not live it out. James says that faith without works is dead. It's like saying that we believe Christ hit the home run for us, and yet we're just sitting on first base. like little kids usually do in baseball, probably playing in the dirt. <laughs> the idea is that if we truly have faith, there will be evidence in our lives that we believe that. If we truly believe Christ hit the home run, there'll be evidence, right, that we'll head towards home plate. There's nothing holding us back. And yet if we don't believe Christ did that, we're going to try and do it on our own. We're going to get out. Or if we don't believe he did that, we might just stay on first base. Church, let's run to home plate. Unless the Lord comes before this I know, I know I'm going to have a funeral someday and I want it to be really clear that people knew I was running the race in faith really clear that I was a run batted in
praise God for that. You can see it in Christians that are loving others because of their faith. You see it because there's not a pressure or a burden on them. You see it because they do it out of joy. It's the difference between a baseball player trying to steal second, look on their face, versus a player whose teammate just hit the home run. And they're going around the bases. Still takes effort, and that's okay, but there's the confidence knowing that someone else is earning this for you. As you touch first, second, third, and on that glorious, glorious day, at the renewal of all things, when Christ sits on his glorious throne and shares it with us, we can join him at home. Don't stumble over that, friends. there's anyone here that is place your faith in Christ not from your own works but because of the work of Jesus we're going to be celebrating communion here celebrating Christ's home run for the church for each and every one of you And I'd like us to pray right now. I'd like you to ask yourself the question, are you confident, 100% sure, that you're going to heaven when you die? It's amazing how many people, if you ask that question to, they'll say, yeah, I think so. So how do you know? I'm a pretty good person. It's the stumbling block. no confidence in that answer have you placed your faith in Jesus Christ are you starting the race running the race ending the race in faith through the blood of Jesus Christ or are your own successes and failures being the compass of your emotions that's a sign that you're focusing on your own works when you fix your eyes on Jesus, He guards your mind and your heart in Christ Jesus because you know that it's secure. So let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the free gift of salvation through Jesus Christ. And Lord, if there's anyone here that doesn't know how to get home, Lord, you made the way. And I pray that your word today would make it clear to them how to place their faith in you. And so if today's the day to make that decision, Lord, I pray that they'd cry out to you to say, Lord, I'm giving my life to you. I'm trusting in the work you did 
on the cross when you died and rose again. So Spirit, if there's any heart in this room that is dead, I pray you make it alive in Christ Jesus, both now and forever. Amen. As we take communion, I'll read it to you. Out of 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-three through 26, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So take this communion in remembrance of him. Don't forget, it's because of him and not because of your works that are going to bring you home. Amen.